Hey, Carl here to say that Music to Code By is now an app called Music to Flow By. Now you can listen to the tracks on your phone with offline capability. The first three tracks are free, and the entire catalog is available by subscription with a new track arriving every month. Just go to musictoflowby.com for all the links. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. We're here for another hour of uh, good, 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 good stuff. James Montemagno is here from the Xamarin team at Microsoft, and it's always fun to talk to him. And how are you doing, my Canadian friend? I have happy news. Happy, happy news. Oh, happy news. The, the youngest daughter has been competitively curling for a number of years. She's now in the women's league. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Curling, curling, curling. That's a that's a sport, right? Yeah, that's right. It rocks on ice. Yeah. Okay. I'm just The checking. rocks on ice thing. All right. A lot of people don't know. So she succeeded. They've uh, gone through to the provincial level. She'll be playing in the women's BC Scotties. Oh my, that's so great. Way to go, yeah. Katie. So that is the path towards Olympics, not this Olympics, but after three years of building this team, they're starting to win at the, at the provincial level anyway. That is awesome. So, Congrats. So suddenly I have to go to Victoria for a week because I'm not missing a bit of the, of the Scotties. I'm going to see those. Oh, that's a shame, huh? Yep. <laughs> it's the way no, it is. It's what I'm going to do. That's fantastic news. Yeah, very excited for her. Uh, I've got a little bit of news. I think I have talked about this before, but I've launched a new podcast with uh, Dr. Jason Fung, a nephrologist from Toronto. And uh, in his clinic there, he treats diabetes with a low-carb diet and fasting. And he's got, you know, over a thousand patients that he's successfully reversed. And the podcast is called The Obesity Code, named after his best-selling book. And it can be found at obesitycodepodcast.com. So more keto, more more stuff like that all the time. Just a different, but a different show, different style. Totally different. Yeah, it's more like Radio Lab style. It's a story. Yeah. It's based on patients. So the patients tell their stories, and then we have experts chime in with science, and it's good. It's cool. All right. Well, let's uh, jump into better know a framework. All right. <laughs> Well, this came to me because uh, I wanted to have a phone consultation with uh, somebody for a completely different reason, and they sent me a link to a uh, an app online where I can select a day and a time to meet with them from their open schedule and hmm. just book it. And I thought it was pretty cool, and I went to look at the site. It's called Calendly.com. Mm -hmm. C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y dot com. And essentially you, you know, connect it. The easiest thing to do is connect it to your Gmail calendar, but they can connect to a bunch of other things too. And the free level essentially is fully functional for one person. Nice. So essentially what you do is you set up what appointment types that you have, like, you know, a 15 minute, a 30 minute or a one hour, or if you want more specific things, you know, for different purposes, whatever. And then you go into your schedule and say what days you're not available, what hours you're not available, your windows of time that you are available every week. And uh, then you just hand out your custom URL to your friends. Whoever you know needs to talk to you or wants to schedule an appointment with you, you just send them that link. 
and just shows up on your calendar. Nice. It's just that easy. That's that's a cool tool. It's a very cool tool, and it, the, the free level is completely functional. Uh, it's not well-branded. You have to use their brand, and there's a lot of things that they do for uh, for more money, you know, for different plans, such as integrations uh, with Zapier and things like that, but just right out of the box, it works. It's great. Awesome. So who's talking to us, buddy? Grabbed a comment off of show 1411, the one we did with Gil Clearin, talk about yeah. Xamarin MVVM apps. Uh, we recorded that at NDC London earlier this year. Yep. We're still in 2017, but not for much longer. And uh, lots of great comments on this show. And this one comes from Heusen Gregers Lindbosch. And I hope yeah. I pronounced it correctly, sir. Uh, he said, awesome show as usual, guys. I've been working with Xamarin Forums the past year and a half or so, and I've mostly been happy with it. Disregarding the occasional initialized component does not exist error. Ah. A framework that really helped speed up my workflow is Prism for Xamarin Forms. Yeah. Remember the Prism library? Sure. Xamarin Forms edition. Mm -hmm. It really helps in decoupling your application-specific code from Xamarin code and thus leads to easier unit testing and a more maintainable code base. Working with Prism, I can do TDD on all my view model code and only have to use an emulator when I test data binding from my views to my view models. Not having to run the full build, deploy, debug cycle to test that my code is set up properly is a benefit to any project, but when the cycle is as long as a Xamarin project, it really helps keeping up your productivity. Hmm. Which is cool. I did not know that, that there was a version of Prism for Xamarin Forms. So I will uh, include a link in the show notes if anybody wants to take a look at it. And uh, maybe we'll, we'll pester uh, James about it today as well. That should be cool. So, Oystein, thank you so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media. Because we publish every show to Facebook and Google+. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. Because if they pass our unit test suite, we actually read them. <laughs> <laughs> unit test has characters. Yeah, that's right. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's uh, bring on James. James Montemagno is a principal program manager on the Xamarin team at Microsoft. He's been a .NET developer since 05, working in a wide range of industries, including game development, printer software, and web services. Prior to becoming a principal program manager, James was a professional mobile developer and has now been crafting apps since 2011 with Xamarin. In his spare time, he's most likely cycling around Seattle or guzzling gallons of coffee at a local coffee shop. He can be found on Twitter at James Montemagno. He blogs code regularly on his personal blog at MotzCod, E-S. I got to spell that. I don't even know Motz code, but it's M-O-T-Z-C-O-D dot E-S. And on the weekly development podcast, Merge Conflict, which you can find at mergeconflict.fm or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, James. Hey, thanks for having me. And it's an honor and a privilege once again. Number three, number three, I think, to be on. I think so. At least. Something like that. You went on tour with us for crying out loud. That's true. I know. Like, Jeez. I, you know. That is not for the week. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't get enough of you guys. So I just kind of kept going and, and, and I'm really honored to be back. It's been, I think, a whole year since I've been on and so much has happened. It's been 
Yeah. Really crazy. A little over a year. Yeah. It's been crazy. This will be show number five. Well, the honor is ours, James. I mean, we, we always like talking to you anyway, but you're the guy with the latest poop on Xamarin. You know, you, you've got the stuff. You're, that's your job is to tell us what's new. I like to think that um, when I'm not talking about Xamarin, I'm talking about Xamarin because it's like between... <laughs> Between coming on podcasts, doing Merge Conflict, and then I have a show on Channel 9 now called The Xamarin Show, which I was really creative with that title. It's literally a show about Xamarin. <laughs> uh, I just can't <laughs> shut up about talking about how much I love it. And, you know, I've been doing it almost for seven years at this point, and I literally just did a, a hackathon uh, with a bunch of nonprofits building all these beautiful open source applications uh, with Xamarin. And it was really cool to see, um, you know, 70 people come together and crush a bunch of code and see like eight apps really help these nonprofits. And because we were able to do it all with XAML, C Sharp and, and Visual Studio. So, you know, I, I like those those stories of 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 why I fell in love with it, why I keep falling in love with it and, and seeing mm. other developers find mobile development for the first time, even though you know, mobile development's been around for a while now, but it's still new to a lot of people and it's really exciting. What I like about um, Xamarin these days is that every time you guys rev, uh, the setup, the startup time, you know, gets easier and easier and takes less and less time. In the earlier days, you know, let's not, let's not kid ourselves. In the early days, it was kind of painful because... There wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, installer help. There was, but there was a lot of manual steps that you needed to do. And when you guys merged with uh, Microsoft, Microsoft bought Xamarin, uh, it got easier. And it seems like every rev, it, it just is more and more effortless to get up and running with the Xamarin project. So thanks for that. Absolutely. And I mean, I think you, it's a big effort here at, at Microsoft um, to make Visual Studio a really enjoyable experience. That's one thing. I think it came on the podcast last time and I said, you know, one thing that's going to change between Xamarin, Xamarin and Xamarin inside of Microsoft is we're going to become closer than possibly ever with the Visual Studio team and work really hard with the teams that are working on Mac products. Yeah. And what's interesting there is with Visual Studio 2017, it actually gets revved a lot. I mean, I just updated yeah. it last night and then update it again probably next week. But, you know, um, what's mm -hmm. what's cool about that is you can really tell that the, the Visual Studio team um, wants it to boot as fast as humanly possible. I mean, I think every single release you've seen that and the latest one, 15.5, is like lightning fast. And then we're really trying to adopt some of the new um, structural patterns. This is what you'll see um, with the new CS Proj, with um, integrating NuGets better and with integrating file new, essentially, and, and actually getting up and running. So What's cool yeah. with the latest one is everything uses new packages and .NET standards. So if you go in and say, I want a new Xamarin Forms app, it will create that project in under like five seconds. So it doesn't have to wait to download all your NuGets and download all of the Google stuff. We've hidden so like a lot of people don't know. We right. hide so much stuff from you. We've we figured out how to go into the Android support libraries and grab just the little tiny bits that we need. So we don't download a gig of Android stuff anymore. We download kilobytes yeah. for only the stuff you need. So. Wow. It, it's beyond cool. Yeah. And um, we've then, of course, you know, talking about those dependencies of a developer just wants to write a mobile app. Why do they got to wait hours upon hours? We've actually reduced our installation um, in the last six months by 60%. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
It's pretty impressive. So just to cutting back the footprint. Yeah. Like, it's just not as much installation as it used to be. Yeah, we stripped out anything that was inessential. You know, sometimes, you know, when a product's around for a long time, it grows, it gets bigger, and, well, it, it works, right? But just because it works doesn't mean it's the best. So we went back and we said, how do we make this not only just a better experience on the day-to-day so we can strip out some stuff, but let's make sure that when we strip out stuff, we're improving the quality as well. So I think that's why you see those things, uh, Carl, you're saying is just like, well, it seems to not only install faster, but getting started faster and everything is a more enjoyable experience. And, and, and that's what everybody wants. And our goal really is that if you um, are, let's say, an ASP.NET developer and you want to try Xamarin, you should have a new like minimal installation. And this is something that we're really, really close on. It actually works today for iOS, which is you can go in and say, check Xamarin for mobile.net and uncheck all of the dependencies. So I don't want Java. I don't want Android SDKs. I don't want anything. Hmm. Just give me the root of it. And then you're thinking, well, if you don't have any SDKs or emulators, how does it work? Well, we have a brand new Xamarin Live Player, which has been um, one of my passion projects over the last year that I've been the program manager on, (laughs) uh, which is an app that you download from your phone, works with Xamarin Forms app and Xamarin iOS code behind UI applications. You take your iPhone, you pair it with Visual Studio, and we send all of your source code files over to the device. And we then interpret your source code on the device and have a debugger that's running inside of that application. So we're running your app inside of our app. Now, last time you came on the show, you talked about that, but you had just released it. Mm -hmm. And then you showed it at Dev Intersection. We saw it there. Uh, on stage and uh, in a couple other places too you showed it so it's gotten obviously a lot better since the first time I tried it which was like right when it uh, was released Uh, I like it because I don't know what kind of magic you're doing maybe some signal R or something like that but but the interaction between your code and the device is instant yeah our goal was our goal with the Xamarin live player was not to solve everybody's um, problem with mobile development because at some time you do have to just compile your app. You're going to have to do it. Right. But we really focused first. Our first priority was on getting started because a lot of people try to get started with mobile development in any facet, whether it's with Xamarin or with Android Studio or whatever. And they're just like, oh, this is such a big insult. So complicated because developing yeah. for one platform is complicated. Now you're developing for three or four. Um, right. So what we did is is actually a lot of great magic that I can't go into, but you can thank Frank Kruger for this. But uh, <laughs> we the app that we built, um, the Xamarin Live Player, essentially talks remotely over your local Wi-Fi to your Visual Studio or Visual Studio for Mac. Mm-hmm. And what's cool is that we are essentially just watching your um, your buffer inside of Visual Studio for any code changes. So there's kind of two modes. There's the live run, which is my favorite mode. So you just say live run this view. And it just sends that single view over. And as you modify your XAML or your code behind, it updates the screen in real time. And what's important there is that it's actually updating and running your C-sharp code, like your business logic. It's not just XAML visualization. It's it's actually running your source code because we're interpreting it. And then... But let's back yeah. up a bit because mm-hmm. even if you were just interpreting the XAML, that in and of itself would be really, really valuable because what's the first thing people want to see? They want to see their screens. Yeah. They want to yeah. make sure that they work. They want to make sure they look good on the device. And what we're used to are clunky emulators that take a long time to boot up or you have to switch around and make some magic happen. Yeah. What we really want is just to look down on our phone and say, yeah, that looks good. Let's move on from there. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's exactly why we, we created it and we have a brand new getting started experience for people that want to see that, right? Which is, Hey, I download this little sample application. I don't have to configure anything. I just download this app from the app store and boom, within five minutes, that's the goal. Five minutes, have an app running on your device. And then, yeah, so just cool. changing it. it. It's super, it's super rad. I mean, uh, the first time I remember pitching this idea and saying like, this is what we need to Joseph and, and, and getting it all together um, and seeing developers use it uh, in, in a lot of different ways um, has helped evolve the product too. So one thing that I demoed at Connect this year, so since we're still in 2017, um, and happy holidays mm-hmm. to everybody too, by the way, yeah. um, um, was we integrated um, even deeper into Visual Studio. So let's say you have one file open of XAML. This is your your item list. Well, that's cool. But what if you have like six or seven different XAML files open? What if you just... Op- switch to the different XAML file and then immediately that XAML file without you having to do anything was visualized. So we made it. So Visual Studio is not only looking for code changes, but also looking to see what is your active frame of reference? Like what are you currently modifying? And it'll switch between any of the views for you in real time, which is bananas. On that the device. On the device. Absolutely yeah. bananas. Yeah. Yeah. Can I hang more than one device at once or is it one device at a time? So right now it's one device at a time. It's any iOS or right. Android device. Um, and you just toggle back and through and you compare as many of those devices as you want um, to Visual Studio or Visual Studio for Mac. And you just boom, 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 so and toggle. Mm-hmm. What that means is that, okay, you pair both of them and you switch when you when you got it looking good on your iPhone, then you switch to your Android and your Android is connected and working. Yeah, exactly. It just You just make a switch and instantaneously you're looking at it on the other device right yeah right now in front of me actually it's funny you mentioned that is i have um you know like your lift drivers they have like those those iphone mounts essentially like in their cars i have right. i have those in between my monitors for both an ios and android <laughs> device and it's just there with the live player always powered just kind of ready for me to go so i can just have both the live player up on both and i just toggle and then i have my ipad too because i think that's what developers are going for they're like oh it's cool that it works on this device but what about my ipad what about this android tablet right and right you can get this application absolutely everywhere so uh, it's it's a great getting started tool and we're trying to make it work with more things uh, as apps grow and get more complex we're kind of realizing that it's hard to interpret yeah. everything so we're doing as much as we can but our goal with the live player was to get you up and running, get your first week, second week out of the way and, you know, use it here and there where it fits your projects or custom controls. And then at some point when I'm like six months into a project, well, I need to be testing every little thing on the device and then I'm going to have the whole setup, you know. So eventually you're going to do it. But it's it, it's, it's really that getting started, um, those right. instant code changes. And trust me, we're working t- as hard as we can to interpret the world, as we like to say. Yeah. What? Um, so there's always l- limitations. What things can't you do with a live player that you have to compile for? Yeah. So right now it works. Uh, it, it's really optimized for Xamarin Forms just because we control that XAML and we control that that workflow. But it also works really great for just iOS applications where developers uh, are not using storyboards and they're just using coded UI, which actually is about 60 huh. or 70 percent of people. A lot of people just don't use storyboards at all. Um, wow. That works really well. It does not work at all with Android non Xamarin Forms applications. Um, so since we control the user interface in Android, we can control that experience. 
But Android apps mm-hmm. are very um, complex. It's my favorite, most complex platform in the world. But uh, a lot yeah. of things, a lot of things happen at build time, so we can't control that. But and then besides that, so those are the core platforms, and I think a lot of our developers are using Forms, so that's probably what they'll care about them. Right now, the limitations, um, you, you know, since we don't compile anything, that's an important thing to remember. We do not compile anything. So that's mm-hmm. why we're able to get it running on your device in just a few seconds instead of waiting for a full build. Um, some things such as like AutoMapper or um, Fody or these kind of build time, like refit, things that are looking at attributes and compiling code for you automatically. Uh, we don't compile your code, so doesn't really work. Um, but native code works? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. You can go and create a huh. custom control. You can you can access iOS, Android APIs. You can pull down NuGets. Um, yeah, wow. JSON.net. You know, make RESTful service calls. You know, and how I do it, people ask me how I use it is I usually have a um, like a mock data store. So when I'm interacting with the Xamarin Live Player, I never have to make a web request, right? I just return dummy data right. to so my application mm-hmm. can load it. And that's usually what we recommend. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, hold that thought right there, James, while we take a moment for this very important message. Hey, Rockheads, this is Carl. Have you tried JetBrains Rider? It's a new cross-platform .NET IDE that's light yet powerful and comes from the makers of ReSharper, IntelliJ, IDEA, and WebStorm. You can write .NET code on Windows, Mac, or Linux. Rider has you covered. Rider helps you develop ASP.NET, .NET Core, .NET Framework, Xamarin, and Unity applications. Most languages used in .NET development are supported. From C-Sharp, VB.NET, F-Sharp, and XAML, to ASP.NET Razor Syntax, JavaScript, TypeScript, and all that other front-end stuff. It comes with navigation, thousands of code inspections, refactorings, unit testing, debugging, rich coding assistance, and more advanced IDE features powered by proven technology from ReSharper and WebStorm. Download Rider now and take it for a 30-day trial at rider.netrocks.com. That's R-I-D-E-R dot D-O-T-N-E-T-R-O-C-K-S dot com. And you're listening to .NET Rocks. We're back. This is Carl Franklin, Richard Campbell, and James Montemagno is here from the Xamarin team talking about the live player. And uh, have we covered everything with the live player? The only other question I would have here is, are we still struggling to build a good XAML designer? Mm. Is it just that hard? (laughs) Maybe it is. Maybe we were just spoiled by WinForms, that we've never been able to come as close with XAML as we've gotten with WinForms to just drag, drop, build a UI. Yeah, I think that um, it, it's really difficult, not only just to build a, a designer, but a good cross-platform designer. Yes. We're asking for a hard problem. Yeah. No question about it. I think it's impossible, actually, because Windows Forms is so restricted and so constrained by what it can show and how it can show that you, you, we don't have those constraints with XAML. And so, therefore, you have, you have pixel-level control of stuff that you don't have with Windows Forms. Yeah, maybe have me back on another year and we'll, we'll uh, see where we're at. <laughs> oh, are you hinting at something oh, there? Oh, listen Mr. to this guy. Yeah. One could speculate. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's encouraging. Okay. I mean, I don't want to say no to anything, but I, I think one thing that we have always done at Xamarin and at Microsoft is listen to our developers and create the world's best developer tools um, for every mm-hmm. single platform 
And that's what we're going to continue to do. And we're going to listen to everyone. And um, that's great. You have my Twitter account, James Montemagno. You can spam me all day with those designer requests. And, and you, it helps. You know, I can show like, here's a thousand tweets. Like, let's make this happen. You know, that's awesome. So one thing I really got to tell you I love uh, is using Visual Studio for the Mac to build Mac desktop applications. I actually did it and I went through the tutorials and and let me tell you something. I was really happy about that. It's probably a real edge case. I mean, I don't know how many people are going to use, uh, you know, Xamarin Forms to build Mac apps, but I, I thought that was an insurmountable problem and now I can see the way forward to doing it. Oh, yeah. There was, I'll, I'll tell you this much. So talking about Xamarin Forms itself, there's been huge releases, especially over the last year, but in the last few months. And with 2.5, which was the most recent release, and we're always revving, that brought tons of goodies. And it, it did bring out the official Mac OS support. And we've made a lot of optimizations there. And I'll say I, I was with you, I, I was never going to make a Mac application because they're really complex. Yeah. It's hard. And there's menus and there's all these things. But I've, I've also been going down the route of making them. Not only that, but I'm a Windows developer. I don't know what from Mac, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the Mac development model, and I didn't really feel like learning it. I just wanted to take what I know, modify it a little bit, and, you know, then that's it. I think that there's a real untapped market, and I think that's one thing that Xamarin Forms is is doing really well. We wanted it to be the cross-platform library for every single operating system. And we always targeted, you know, phone and tablet first, but obviously UWP, which goes everywhere. We're now on Mac OS. Uh, we've worked with the community to pull in a WPF, um, um, flavor into the, into the mix here, which is really cool. Awesome. Because, hey, yeah. not everyone has Windows 10. Go figure. So right. you got to run those apps everywhere. We have a Linux backend uh, as well. So you can run um, GTK Sharp applications on Linux. I'm not a Linux person, so I'm never going to do that. But that's really cool. We worked with Samsung yeah. to bring Xamarin Forms and .NET Core to Samsung Tizen devices, which is pretty bananas. And then yeah. um, my good friend Frank Kruger, he built a library called UWI, which runs Xamarin Forms inside of an ASP.NET application on the web. Wow, that's wow. so cool. We need a link to that. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, so this is my new favorite. Just talking about Xamarin Forms of it being open source. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and drop a, a link um, in definitely I'll, for you guys in the show notes. But uh, what's really cool is since Xamarin Forms is open source, people can do anything with it. So Frank had this idea, which is I really just want to run my XAML everywhere like it was promised and what we want to do with it and he was working on iot devices and he was like man you know it's a, i know i could run iot core but you know this thing has a linux backend and all this stuff and he goes i really just want a button you know essentially inside of here and he first started with a button and then it grew into images and date times and a full layout system and he ported um a bug sweeper application um, which is one of our very complex applications, which is kind of like mine, um, uh, Minesweeper, uh, essentially, which is running now inside of an ASP.NET Core application. And it totally works. It loads resources. It does timing. It does everything that you would imagine um, under the sun. So to me, what's cool is that now you have a real true cross-platform XAML that runs everywhere. And this is what I've waited for because I'm not a web developer. I can throw together something that's terrible looking, but I'd rather throw 
something together that I understand that I can control, which is XAML, and that'll help me build CRUD type applications. I think that's a big struggle for, for people or just something simple. And in fact, I was building a new um, data caching library that I call Monkey Cache. And I was like, oh, I wonder if this works on ASP.NET because um, it's a .NET standard library. So I brought in UI, and within five minutes, I had a Xamarin Forms app running on the web testing my .NET standard library, and it was mind-blowing. Did you wow. guys say something? I'm playing Bug Sweeper. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So That is amazing. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> and this is why you have me on the podcast is to tell you about this awesome stuff. <laughs> You better believe it. This is amazing. Yeah. It's, I still haven't found a bug though. I'm still <laughs> clicking around. It's really cool and it's responsive and and, and it's and it works just like uh, you would think Xamarin Forms works. You create some XAML and you load that into a controller essentially in ASP.NET and boom, you're good to go. And the same thing with Mac, right? It's you add another head onto your project. So now I want a, a Mac app. Now I want a Tizen app. Now I want a, an ASP.NET core application. They're all right there, um, which is really cool. And I mean, that's just things that are building out of the Xamarin Forms ecosystem because you still have just Xamarin Forms itself with bringing in fast renderers and layout compression and, and optimizing the startup time of the applications and listening to users. And um, there's tons of things that we're doing inside of Xamarin Forms to optimize for each platform, um, to make sure that the performance is really great um, and that the API is great for everybody. I mean, in fact, we... Um, had a big thing with the iPhone X. I'm going to call it the iPhone X forever. I don't care what anyone else tells me, but it, it, <laughs> it's a big X. I'm just saying. Um, uh, <laughs> Xbox One X, Mac OS X, I don't know. I'm just saying. And uh, so the iPhone X has all these really weird constraints. And within a week, the Xamarin Forms team integrated iPhone X optimizations into Xamarin Forms. So you have control so that way you can optimize for big header views and all these different iOS 11 and iPhone X um, optimization. So it's really cool to see not only the ecosystem around Xamarin Forms evolve, but the actual framework itself, just like you were saying, Carl, with with Mac. Like I would never imagine mm. six years ago I was building Mac applications. Now I am and I'm doing it in XAML, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. and, it, and it sort of begs this idea of are we headed towards a, a universal dev platform through this, the, the Xamarin approach that bit by bit, it seems like you're finding ways to plug into every way we currently build apps. Yeah, I think that um, one thing that was important that we did at Connect is um, we try to make sure that, you know, if you're building... You know, a lot of people ask like, well, why should I, should I just build a, an iOS app or should I just build a UWP app? And I said... If you're building a UWP app and like that's your core platform and and you're you need to take every single optimization and you're doing all this crazy stuff because it's going to be the world's best, you know, UWP application or the world's most optimized crazy thing over here. Like, you know, you can definitely go down that route, but structure your code in an MVVM way that you could bring right. over another Xamarin, you know, forms or iOS or Android head. And uh, we also announced the next evolution of of XAML standard, which I talked very briefly about uh, at the keynote uh, at Connect, which is we have worked with the community because one of the struggles developers have, and even looking at the show notes from the previous time I was on a few other people, and they said, I love Xamarin Forms. I love this and this. But I'm like, like, what's this stack layout thing? Where's my, you know, um, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. this thing? And what's, you know, grid looks the same, but what's a label? What's a an entry? This don't make any sense. So yep. what we did is we 
we went back and forth on XAML standard, and originally it was a specification uh, for um, different platforms to opt in. Right. And what we decided was, listen, there's no way to really align everything one-to-one because if you're doing that world's next greatest HoloLens UWP application, you're really going to have to take advantage of every single little thing on that platform. Sure. But but what we can do is we can work with all of the XAML teams and we can say, let's let's at least try to align things when we're creating new APIs and let's see if we can build some kind of backwards compatibility layer so what we did mm. for Xamarin Forms is we we created a new NuGet package um, that I think we're going to integrate later on into the actual thing. But we wanted some feedback. So we said, hey, we're creating this alias package. And what this alias package does is it will alias any of the Xamarin Forms specific controls or properties to your UWP, WPF names and property uh, names. Yeah. It's a mapper. It's a mapper. It's an auto mapper. Can, <laughs> yeah. Well, hang on one second and hold that thought. I want to talk more about this. But first, hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is? Uh, it must be that happy time again. Yeah. It's time to get my ooey on, baby. Ooey. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm excited by that. But it, all right. It's actually time to give away a D-Experience subscription to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an Office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. And check out their DevExtreme React grid, built from the ground up to fully support all the cool features that come with React, like virtual DOM and state controllers like Redux. It supports master detail, sorting, grouping, paging, and editing. You can check it out and test it for free on GitHub. But learn more and download your free 30-day trial of DevExpress Universal at devexpress.com slash superhero. Well, all right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Jeff Garrison. Congratulations, Jeff. Yay! Golf clap you, sir. And Jeff just won the D-Experience subscription, a big pile of awesome from our friends at DevExpress, just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you don't know what that is, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away $5,000 technology shopping spree. And yes, you missed it. Or maybe you didn't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it happened. Where it were did you? It happened. Uh, where were you? <laughs> we also like to ask our guests, James, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology right now, what would you buy? That's a good question. And I think I went back to what I said previously because I was always trying to figure something out. I think originally it was like a home entertainment system and then it was a VR setup. And I'll tell you this time, I'm going real developer-y, um, hmm. and I've been really into con- you know DevOps and continuous integration and, and delivery and things like that for mobile applications in my back end. So I've been using VSTS a whole lot. I, I've been building custom tasks and stuff. And one thing that I love is that you can do it in the cloud, but why do I got to wait for a cloud server to spin up? I want build servers. 
in my house. So I thought about this all weekend about what I would do with $5,000 and I would build yeah. like an awesome at home like data center for myself and like those little Intel knocks, so like a Linux machine, like a little Mac mini, but like all souped up. Right. So anything can go and talk to them. And I think I could spend about five grand on networking and having, you know, maybe six of those like total two Macs, two little windows machines, two little Linux machines. I could literally build anything in my little server rack that's just sitting underneath my desk. And I think that would be, that would solve all of my problems as I'm building all these libraries and apps and it would just, everything would be so fast. And that would be my, oh, my goal. It, you'd introduce a whole new set of problems to your life. Oh, yeah. Like I have yeah. to keep all this gear running. <laughs> what the hell is broken now? Where it's asking me to talk to my administrator. Wait, I'm the administrator and I don't know what to do. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's the anti-cloud, James. <laughs> I know. Do you realize everybody's going toward the cloud? <laughs> I, I, we, I, you know, I, I love, don't get me wrong. I love the hosted solutions and I use them often, but I also like to really control what's on my machine because what happens if those update and I'm not ready to update or we broke something like I want to control it. And, and maybe that's the been doing Xamarin development for seven years where I'm only ready to upgrade when I'm ready to upgrade. But, uh, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just amazed because I know you're a bike guy. Like you can drop five grand on a bike in a heartbeat. Go get yourself a Stradale. Like it, boom. Well, I've already done that, so that's the problem. <laughs> so, How did I know? You know me all too well. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, it's very funny to hear you wanting on-premise hardware because, you know, I've been running a, a rack out of, the, out of the basement for many years, and I'm finally migrating more and more of that workload to the cloud. Yeah, it's important to say that I don't ever want to run servers in my house. That would be a terrible idea. Yes. I just want build servers to build that? my code. Nobody does that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, we got to we got to dive back into this XAML standard thing because I think it's a bigger deal than people realize. It's just that it seems to me like .NET standard went so well. Like once we got to two o, everything's kind of fine. And I think XAML standard has a long way to go. People just don't understand what the problem is. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that we also have a problem that we just wanted to throw core and standard onto everything. Um, right. Because uh, people like that. So just throw standard yes. and core. It's, this is core. That is core. And I think it's really easy. .NET Core is a runtime. It's a .NET runtime, right? It's, you know, where you're running ASP.NET and .NET Core apps. We still have our mono runtime. There's a .NET runtime. Mm. And then .NET Standard says, hey, there's all these different runtimes and there's different flavors of .NET available on them. Let's give developers a single API with all of these amazing .NET uh, APIs that can run on any of those platforms. So it doesn't matter if it's Xamarin, Mono, .NET Core, .NET Framework, UWP, doesn't matter. It just runs there. What I like about this is that it's distributed, mm -hmm. right? That rather than having like an architectural guardian that everybody has to build through, that you have a standard that everybody's agreed to. Yeah. So that as many teams as want to build to the standard can build to the standard. It does scale. Yeah. Yeah. But it's distributed. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. What XAML standard attempts to fix is saying that, hey, there's all of these either major or minor tweaks to different flavors of XAML because, you know, Silverlight XAML is a little bit different than WPF XAML, which is a little bit different than UWP XAML and Xamarin Form XAML. Some things are the same. Some things are different. Yeah. So 
there's two challenges. I, I, I presume that Silverlight is not in consideration. No, 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 no. So there's really three <laughs> flavors of XAML we care about. And I don't even know that people recognize that there's three. That the Windows 10 XAML, the UWP XAML, and the WPF XAML mm -hmm. are two different teams mm. with two different flavors. And Xamarin Forms comes at this from a totally different approach. Yeah, right. You know, Xamarin Forms, when it was created, tried to say, hey, we kind of created these names and these properties based off the mobile version of them. So that's why a lot of right, them right. are iOS or Android specific. So Xamarin developers are like, I already know these controls and activity indicator. That that makes sense to me. Right. right. There's two problems, though. One is anyone new to the platform that happens to be a WPF or UWP developer has to then relearn a new language. It's just like, hey, you knew Spanish, go learn simplified Chinese, right? Like, you know, or, you know, you simplify <laughs> Chinese, go learn traditional Chinese. Like, you know, it's, yeah, it's very, yeah, yeah. it's, it's maybe that some, there's different extremes there of the, the language barrier. And then there is the other part is I will go on a Stack Overflow. I see this really cool XAML snippet and I try to put it in an app, right? But the XAML is different. It's a different schema. So how do I, you know, make my XAML? I can make my, now I can make my .NET code go everywhere. How do I make my XAML code go across project types, right? Yeah. I think that's the, yeah, right. the goal. Well, I also think the UWP XAML and the WPF XAML are not that far apart. No, they're not. But they are both very Windows-centric. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, and the Xamarin yeah. Forms, which is the outlier, seems to be the broader thinker about a larger number of devices, a larger superset of what is possible. And I don't know, dude. I don't know how you move those two teams. Those are big teams. Yeah, they're big old teams to agree to something far enough abstract to actually include everything that Xamarin's going to embrace. And the sort of the choice here that is. Does Xamarin cut off one of its limbs, maybe two of its limbs, and not be as cross-platform as it's been to be compliant with the standard just because it has gravity around Windows? Yeah, it's um I like to joke that Xamarin Forms now supports more operating systems than Xamarin supports um because it supports <laughs> it supports all of <laughs> all of Windows, all the old Windphone stuff, Linux, Mac OS, Tizen, ASP.net, right? It supports everything. And yeah. I think the challenge is really hard. I think that's why there has been movement, but not you're not seeing momentous shifts. You were listening. We're trying to figure things out. And you're right. It takes takes changes. It takes um, teams coming together to decide. And what we have done is we try to work as close as we possibly can with the Windows team and the, you know, the WPF team to say, you know, what is what's the right route to go? What's going to not only make it a better API for developers, but how are we not going to break everyone? That's the number one. Right. How do we not break everyone? So our, our original thought here is this alignment package to say, hey, you know, um, it's a lot easier for us to change our XAML schema and change a bunch of things um, if we can to see, does this work? Like, does this approach work for everyone? Yes or no. And we can integrate them together. So this is not just a renaming problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not just a renaming problem. It's not. It's not just a renaming problem mm -hmm. because there's all these controls. There's all these other things. So you're going to see some evolution and some things that we're going to be able to do to say, what happens when someone puts in some bad XAML? Like, can we detect that? Are we smart enough? Or Microsoft, of course, we're smart. Like, we're smart. We're smart. There's so many smart people that work here to actually yep. optimize a lot of stuff for you. So I hope over time, you know, as things progress, we'll see everything really align and developers hopefully just don't have to think about it. But I think you're right. We're, we're still a ways off and 
them, but we did make a step. And I think that was important. So if people today are like, oh man, I just can't, I, I can't change my mind over to these new names and everything. Well, go download that NuGet package and you'll have all your names that you want and give that a try. And I'm poking around in the XAML standard doc on GitHub here. And I see as of November this year, an update to the phase one alignment. So this seems to me like the easy list of here's the stuff that's not that hard to align. Yeah, that that's kind of the, the goal, I would say, in the beginning. And it's a preview, which was what's the quick win that we can try this out without having to right. change the world. So, uh, yeah, you can just go in and you can say, here's my stack panel and boom, right? You're kind of right. good to go. I wonder if you guys are going to be able to get to an 80% case so that you can really pour energy into the 20% case like that. Get down to the what's hard. Yeah. But first, mm. put, put, have some wins, put some stuff behind you so that you don't throw this away. Cause I think it's a good goal, mm-hmm. but I do not envy the people on this team. This is a stunningly hard problem. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. But I'm just glad that we're working on it. And hopefully, developers have given good feedback so far. And I think that we'll continue to uh, make some good changes to it. Yeah, I'm real excited about and I, it. And I like that you're doing it in public so that we all get to see and participate. You know, mm-hmm. that's the upside to it being here. You go back and you look at the notes. You look at the conversations that are going on. Like, there are a lot of people engaged on how are we going to do this right? Yeah. It's definitely one thing that I love about Microsoft of not only just developing C Sharp in the open, a lot of our uh, libraries in the open, all of Xamarin in the open. Um, It it really allows not only just great conversation, but so much collaboration. It's super fun. Hey, can we talk Tizen for a minute? Sure, if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Tizen, if for those who don't know, is this OS that Samson brought out. It's based on the Linux kernel. It, I think, came out in 2012, but it's... Um, on a few of their smartphones and tablets, but also the the devices that it covers and that run this thing are like in-vehicle infotainment things, smart TVs, uh, smart cameras, wearable computing, Blu-ray players, printers, smart home appliances like refrigerators, lighting, washing machines, air conditioners, you know, appliances. Uh, I think like one of the Roombas or something runs it. I don't know, a ro- robotic vacuum cleaner. But so there's obviously a lot of opportunity there in terms of companies that have hardware that want to make software for it. Is that really what Tizen is for, for hardware companies? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. So so Tizen is Samsung's operating system. It's been around for a long time. Um, since 2012, I believe. So about five years now. And one thing that's important to know about it is in the latest version, they really wanted to go cross platform and they were running their own like web HTML5 approach to it and it wasn't working so good. So they moved and they brought .NET Core as their main um, runtime actually on the devices that they're running. So your televisions, your watches are running .NET Core, which is super cool because now you can use .NET Standard and you can share code. But they had their own user interface, of course. So the problem there right. was that how do we create cross-platform UI? And they said, well, Microsoft and Xamarin, they have a cross-platform UI. It's called Xamarin Forms. So they implemented all of their controls having a XAML, you know, Xamarin Forms um, uh, top to it. So when you create a list list view, it's a list view and a button is a button. And they created the renderers for them, which is cool. Now, these run on about 50 million different devices. And you're right, they're anywhere from dishwashers to toasters to, to watches to smartphones to televisions, mm-hmm. I think is a huge one. 
And um, what's cool is that you just download the Tizen extension into Visual Studio. Tizen projects li- you know, light up. You can add .NET standard projects. You can write your C-sharp .NET code and you write a Xamarin Forms XAML user interface and you're creating Tizen applications. So to me, it's more of what is my business needs, right? Like yeah. where am I running? What's the potential there? So I think that's a really important thing that I've always said about Xamarin is it's not just iOS and Android, right? It's literally the possibility of going to every single operating system out there. And um, I think that's what's kind of cool about Tizen is not only mm-hmm. is it yet another platform, but it's really cool to see this third third party company, right? I mean, it's right. not Microsoft. It is Samsung, which is this, this giant in the industry. And they're like, hey, that .NET, that .NET Core thing, that's really good. That Xamarin yeah. Forms thing, that's really cool. And then Oh my goodness. The Tizen team is actually amazing. Like they did all this work. Like they, it was all them. And then they said, man, I really want more adoption. What can I do? So yeah. I, I told them I was, I was, I said, you know, what would be really great is we, we have all these plugins, these plugins for Xamarin and Windows. Right. And if you could just, I don't know, contribute to all those there, you could, that'd be great. So actually <laughs> in the last few months, every single one of my GitHub projects, the Tizen team has come in and added Tizen support for me. It's been wow, a, so wow. it's cool. Really That's cool. Awesome. They're really you know, about I, it. I also like this case. It's proof that somebody else can come into this ecosystem and become a full member. Yeah. yeah. That their, their product can work alongside everybody else's product. Like that, just like that proof point. So it's super easy for the, you know, founding members to all get along. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted to point out though, before we get off this topic that, you know, it's not like you can pull up your smart TV and download an app that you wrote and run it on your smart TV. I mean, it's very hardware dependent. And a lot of these devices are specific, you know, from their manufacturers to what software they run. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think it's really important that if, if you're an appliance developer or, you know, somebody in that business, that's a, this is a good way for you to leverage all of that good stuff that's been out there. It's not necessarily that you're going to write an app that somebody with a smartwatch is going to be able to download, let's say. Yeah, it's kind of like your, I mean, Windows, Windows Embedded of the past or, or, or still is. And then you have yeah. uh, Android things of these IoT devices. So it's yet right. another platform based on what you're building, which I think is good. Is yeah. it, do you want to run Windows on it? Do you want to run Tizen on it? But the idea and the dream is like, hey, I can still run my .NET code on all of these things regardless of the OS. And that's what's important. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, let's talk .NET embedding. This is what everybody's been waiting for. What is this thing, James? All right, so this was my major announcement. This was my one more thing at Connect 2017. And I had the honor of working with the team on this and announcing it, um, which was, I love Xamarin. That's pretty clear. <laughs> and I love C Sharp um, and, and XAML and, and everything that we've done. And I've been doing so over seven years. However, you can think of mobile applications today starting to become legacy, right? It's been seven, eight years. You have legacy applications. You have companies and developers that have investments in existing code bases or they're just, you know, stubborn and don't want to move over to anything cross platform and they want to stay with their Java and their Swift or Objective C code bases. Now, that's fine. However, there's never been a way of sharing code between your Mac, your iOS and your Android application if they're written in different languages, because if you're using Xamarin, everything's good. But if you're not using Xamarin, it's not good. So what we decided is that we want to give 
these businesses and developers a way to start sharing their C-sharp and .NET business logic in existing Objective-C Swift and Java applications. Hmm. Um, so we created .NET yeah. Embedding, which enables any developer to create a .NET library, run it through our .NET Embedding tooling, and it will generate for you a native iOS, Mac, or Android framework or jar file for you that will execute wow. everything natively. Oh, man. Did you really call it the Embedinator 4000? <laughs> I'm looking on GitHub. <laughs> so the, um, the official name of the product is .NET Embedding, but the name of the tooling is the Embedinator 4000. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> and it describes what it does to the yes. point. It embeds .NET. It's the Embedinator. Yeah. So is it actually taking pieces of the framework and compiling it into this code flipped over to native so that it stands alone? Yeah. So think of it like this. We've been doing the reverse for 10 years. We've been taking yeah. Objective-C and Java and bringing it to C-sharp. So we brought C-sharp the reverse. So we bundle in our tiny little .NET runtime into this right. framework that can execute all of your .NET code. And what we do is we expose a perfect Java or Objective-C or Swift API for you. Because again, mm. we've been doing the reverse for 10 years. Right. Sure. And you said C-sharp, but you really mean IL, right? I should be yes. able to take any .NET language and do this. That is correct. It's just IL. Example, that is correct. Yeah, yeah you're correct. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what's nice about this is that it's for teams that have been trying to do this, their only other options were to um, use uh, some JavaScript framework like a React Native or Qt and use a bunch of C++. And no one wants mm -hmm. to write tons of some C++ over and over and over again. It, it, that's yet another um, challenge for developers to to learn and maintain. So, um, well, I do love C++, don't get me wrong. But, you know, it's it's a bigger paradigm shift, I would say. I think that's yeah, the one thing uh, I want to get to. I guess interop would be the closest mm -hmm. thing that we have to it in the managed world, right? Yeah. But uh, this isn't an interop layer. This is recompiling code, isn't it? It's recompiling code down into the native platform and framework and exposing that API. And we handle any wow. anything for you. Now, what's really cool on top of that is that today you can start with your business logic, which a lot of people are like, hey, if I can just share... 10% of code, like that would blow my mind. Like if I could just share my right. models, a mind blown. But we said, well, what if you could just share not only your business logic, but what if you could share some user interface? I mean, we have a cross-platform user interface. Um, so what we did is there's been a big shift inside of Xamarin Forms to create this um, new feature that we renamed. It used to be called Xamarin Forms Embedding, but now it's called Xamarin Forms native forms, which is the ability to take any Xamarin Forms XAML page and convert it into a Android fragment or uh, iOS UI view controller um, inside of your Xamarin application. So what we did is we said, hey, what if we take that Xamarin Forms native forms capability and expose that with .NET embedding? So to summarize what this means is you can go in and create shared business logic and user interface, run it through the .NET embedding tooling, and then pull that iOS and Android, now Java and Objective-C 
library into your native app, native language applications. And it will not only share the user interface code, but also your business logic. And it'll work and wow. be native because it is native because it's powered by Xamarin, which is native, you know? So it's pretty bananas. And I have a great blog post walking through how to create a little, you know, uh, to do clicker button that increases account. And I got this up and running in like 30 minutes to, to get it into my iOS and Android app, which is pretty awesome. Wow. That is amazing. It's, um, yeah. it's, it's something that I have always wanted to do. And I think, you know, at Xamarin, it didn't make tons of sense to do this, but now it's like, Hey, our goal is not just to make Xamarin the best platform in the entire world to build mobile apps, but to bring C sharp and .NET absolutely everywhere. And we are, I mean, what do we just talk about? We have .NET running, um, and XAML running on ASP.NET and Tizen devices and inside of an objective C app, right? Like how cool is that? Right. How cool is it to be a .NET developer? I don't know. It's bananas. Uh, it's very cool. It's very cool. Hey, man, uh, one other thing before we go, I'm digging the beard, man. Oh, thank you. It looks good, baby. <laughs> thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. I've been trying real hard. Yeah. <laughs> Seattle coffee, beard, and bike. You're full hipster. Uh, absolutely. It's very do you, true. Do you use wax on it? I do. So I have some beard oil. Um, um, I knew it. Of course. I knew yeah. it. Uh, I, All right, James. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got you to keep it. You got to keep it nice and moisturized. And, you know, yeah, you, gotta, you do. Otherwise, you know, fluffy stuff comes off of it. Exactly. Well, anyway, you wouldn't want that. James, man, this has been a bombshell show. Thank you very much. It's always great to talk to you for many, many reasons, but none the least of which you always have cool new stuff to share. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Honor and a privilege yet again. Thank you so much. All right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the 